Let me ask you a question. Do you know what your town smells like? Does it have a particular smell or smells? Could you describe those smells to people who aren't from where you live? Today I want to explore a topic I find deeply fascinating, and I think you will too. The topic is smellscapes, which broadly speaking entails capturing the smells of a particular place and recording them visually to mark a moment in time as perceived by a group of people. I love this idea so much because, let's be honest, how much do we actually think about what our town smells like? We're there every day, right? And of course, we smell things all around us, but really, mostly subconsciously, I would imagine, because we're used to the smells. Well, my guest today is an expert in smellscapes, and she's going to take us through the process of creating them. And she'll also tell us why they're so beneficial, how they can help us. So let me introduce you to my guest, Dr. Kate McLean. Kate is a lecturer, artist, designer, and researcher who works at the intersection of human-perceived smellscapes, cartography, and the communication of eye-invisible sense data. She leads international public smell walks and translates the resulting data using digital design, watercolor, animation, scent diffusion, and sculpture into smellscape mappings. In fact, you can see some of the smellscapes she's created from places like Amsterdam, Edinburgh, Lausanne, Kiev, Singapore, and New York, just to name a few, by going to the link in the episode notes. So I encourage you to do that after you listen to this episode so it makes more sense. So Kate is a PhD from the Royal College of Art and continues to undertake smell map and smellscape projects, working across sensory heritage, performance design, VR and AR. She designed and leads the new BA graphic design program at University of Kent, Canterbury campus. I think you're going to find this topic really fascinating. So let's get started. Enjoy my conversation with Dr. Kate McLean. This is An Aromatic Life, the podcast that aims to shed light on our beautiful sense of smell and increase its profile in a culture dominated by sight and sound. My name is Frau Gagalia. I'm a certified aromatherapist and smell coach who spent over 20 years in and around the fragrance industry. What I know for sure after all these years is that our sense of smell is powerful, yet is so underappreciated. There's so much we can do to harness our sense of smell to be well. So join me as I explore this mesmerizing sense from all different angles and learn what it can do for you. Enjoy the show. I want to welcome you to an aromatic life, Kate. It's so nice to have you here. I'm really excited to talk about smelling, smellscapes, smell walking, smell maps, all that good stuff, which we'll get into. But before we do that, I always like to ask my guests a question first, a very simple question that has many different answers, but I wanted to ask you, what does the sense of smell mean to you? It's a really lovely question. And thank you for having me on the show. I really Aww. appreciate the chance to, uh, to talk about some of the, uh, some of the things that I've encountered. Um, Smell to me is it, it? It's a great question because I realised part way through my PhD that smell is actually about being alive, 
it's about it's a signifier of activity and of action and of change and being very very aware of the environment around us and those are all incredibly important parts of my life outside the work so it's I mean it's 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 kind of a natural sort of like segue that that's that's essentially what smile means to me um I'm interested in our relationship with the environment I'm interested in the activities that we see on an everyday basis and that we experience on an everyday basis and smell is a part of those and it it reminds me that I'm here I exist um and I interact yeah that's so perfect I, I couldn't agree more um can I share something that you wrote which I love too which kind Come of on. <laughs> you wrote smell remains an undervalued and under-researched sense which possesses the capacity to induce time travel and momentary location displacement translating anonymous space into personalized place so beautiful that's me when i'm in good phd mode or oh, writing right, right. <laughs> but it was so well written I, I was like i have to share that because i think it's so it, it, it encapsulates so much right so tell me about that it does. And like, I just had this whole sort of like idea. It was, I, I'm a very visual person. So that for me was about the whole idea of the compression of time and sort of like the location displacement about the sort of like capacity to be able to suddenly be somewhere completely different. And I, I was reading a lot when I first started this work of Diane Ackerman. And I think she alludes to something very similar. And it it was just over time and giving sort of like a series of talks that I refined that to say that's exactly what smell is in my world it's moving from anonymous to personal but within the same geographic context yeah yeah it's so true so true so let me ask you when you were growing up did you think about smell much I mean you said you're a very visual person so how much was olfaction in your life it's a it's a question that I ask myself quite a lot because I was obviously very aware of it but it that also came from having parents who would highlight it and wow. neither of them were I know kind of rare um very rare were... <laughs> I love them <laughs> they, they weren't in the um the olfactory worlds at all um but when we would travel, we'd sort of like, we'd go to, we'd pack up sort of like camping gear in the car. And in Europe, it's very easy. You sort of like you stick your car on a boat and you're in a sort of like foreign country. Right. And we'd drive all the way through to, uh, I tried to escape from California once. It took longer than a day. I know what it's like. Um, <laughs> and so we would drive to the south of France. And as we were just sort of like coming over the final sort of like hills, um, I think I was sort of like we used to just wind the windows down in the car before they were electric, and we'd wind these windows down. And I think my sort of like my parents would just say, "Can you smell that?" Wow. And it was the smell of the pine trees and a little bit of the sea air, but it was so warm and it was so different to the UK's climate. So we haven't just changed countries; we've also changed environments and we've changed temperature. 
so really early on I was aware of the fact that different places smelled different mm. um and along with a very typical job which was sort of given to us kids which was go and chest the loo blocks in the campsites can you work with it or not do we stay here right I think my parents used my nose <laughs> very good they knew it was a tool that you could use it's not just Absolutely. listening and seeing things right yeah 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 and so that that suddenly became really important and then back at home I had a pine tree in the front yard as well so that became a sort of like a connection point so the smell of the resin there in retrospect now I equate with the south of France and I think I possibly did at the time I don't know for sure I don't I, I definitely never wrote about it or thought about it right but right. I think if I, if I trace it back I can actually trace it back to smells of bread from visiting my cousins because they live near a bread factory and that was pointed out to us as kids and that became a sort of like a smell mark okay. of where we actually were yeah. so there is there is a lot in childhood where smell became a part of travel wow and I'm sure you kind of just it just became a part of you like you said and it's not something you actively told others like smell this or or do that it was just passively part of you and then you kind of tapped into it later in life right that's exactly it I mean it it, it must have been sitting there latent for years and <laughs> I did a number of different jobs and moved and lived in the U.S. for a while retrained as a graphic designer and then came back to the U.K um sort of like through France as a sort of like an interim I wanted to do a, a master's in graphic design um and I was looking at sensory aspects of place uh -huh. so there's always been a sort of like a there's a map loving travel loving geographer in me okay that has then was then interested in sensory and so the masters in the UK, you basically choose your subject of study mm -hmm. and for an MFA, you don't have classes. Instead, okay. what you do is you work on a project. So it's much, it's much closer to like a PhD in a way. And I was looking at tactile mapping of Edinburgh, which is where I was doing the course and the tactile stuff I did for a year. Okay. Kind of stuck. And then uh, thought, and they said you you've got a you've got an exhibition in a week's time. What are you going to do? Oh, and wow. it's like mm, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do a smell map, <laughs> and and literally everybody turned around and said, "What?" <laughs> and they said, "Oh, good, a smell map of Edinburgh." I said, "No, no, 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 no." I said, "A smell map of Paris." What? what? I said because I'm going to Paris for the weekend, so I can collect a whole load of data while I'm there. Oh wow! And it was, and it was that quick. And I came back, switched. and I sort of, yeah, yeah, and I just switched. I I switched sort of like sensory modalities, and that was the starting point. I made the smells in my kitchen. Um, I put them out for people to actually sniff at. I had friends smoke twenty gulwars into a plastic bag to give me that smell so that I could extract a bit of black velvet from the bag each day so that people could smell it. Wow. And just created this real I don't know, participatory exhibition where I just said, 
smell these things and write down a location and an emotion that you connect with these particular smells. Interesting. And I thought it would be really simple. I thought it would be coffee. Oh, yeah. For me, that's Barcelona or um, that's Los Angeles or wherever. And it wasn't. It was coffee. When I was 18 and I first went to college, I was sitting in the university and I recall this. And that was a chance when I met my new friend, said the smell of coffee always reminds me of new friends. And I realized what I tapped into was something far more personal than just having this very sort of like distant connection with smells. It wasn't just about places. It was actually about people's personal emotional connection as well. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what smell gives you. Unlike any of your other senses, it takes you that much deeper and it's much more emotionally connected. But I want to just touch on your, the tactile part, right? The touch that you were originally on. If you think about it, smells are tactile, right? Because they evolve, they have, they have a texture to them. And I think that's interesting how you went to smell, but you started with touch, but there's a connection there. There is. And there's also, I think there's a connection through language. So I was looking at the tactile elements of Edinburgh, but through the language that was used to describe it. Okay. So one particular neighborhood was described as frothy and it was frothy because of the amount of cafe lattes and flat flat whites and cappuccinos that people were drinking. And so thinking then about how you translate that into something that you can actually touch and what's that, we're using language as a sort of like this interim to explain somewhere, but maybe we can actually bypass that language and go straight to here's this neighborhood, this is what it feels like. Yeah. Do we need the conduit of language going through? And I think we do. I think for smell, we definitely do. Yeah. But it was all of, I mean, it, that was the beauty of doing an MFA and concentrating on nothing but what you want to do. Yeah. Is that facility to be able to go, hi, I'm going to explore this. I don't know where it's going. Right. But that's the best part. You don't know where it's going. So yeah, it's the, oh, it's so great. It's so great. And, um, but I think what's really interesting because you're in these visual arts, right? Graphic design and things like that. And unlike the visual, which is visible, smell is invisible, right? So in your perspective, like what can a whiff of an odor um tell us what what does it tell us you think I'm not sure that it tells us as much as the fact that we can actually imagine it as visual um and that's it may be invisible but it's still tangible so it has a mark on us when we smell something anew it might be bit parts in the air it might feel like floating tiny raindrops of fog or a smell might instead hit you in the nose like it's sort of like a a a full sort of like slap in the face full-on assault Um, yeah yeah full-on assault it might be more like bacon which actually leaves you sort of like chasing the tendrils that seem to go in different directions and I think for me smell really does have a shape and it has a three-dimensional shape and each one of us will experience that differently according to 
any number of variables that come in from genetic predisposition to how tall we are and what the airflow is around us and whether our previous experience of that smell has been good or bad. So that whole sense of the highly personalized and individual contributes to making the idea of, well, smell is something that has a physical presence. It's something that we do touch in yeah. a, a strange way. We touch it through our noses and we touch it through the impressions that that gives us. Yeah. And if we recalibrate and stop just trying to identify it, but instead think about the experience, then we've got a very different element that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You just made me think of something else and this personalization that you were talking about. Yet a smellscape, which we're going to get into in a minute, but a space with a, with a smell in it or smells in it is a can be a collective experience at the same time, right? And it, it doesn't Absolutely. mean anything. Yeah, so it's like it's personal, yet it's collective at the same time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's, that's great because that's a lot of data there. You know, like each one of us comes at it from a different angle yet it, there is this thing, this space that we're in, but we're all interpreting it in different ways. Yeah. Ways. And and that's the value of the work that I do is I think is in bringing a lot of people together in order to be able to describe and allude to that smell space. Let's get into smell scapes, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Let's right into it. So I kind of want to, so the work that um, you do, I want to put it into three different buckets. So for our listeners, so there's the smell scapes, then there's smell walking, and then there's the smell maps afterwards. So I want to kind of start with the smell scapes themselves. If you wouldn't mind starting by just explaining what is a smell scape in your, in your view? My view really comes from um, a geographer, Douglas Porteous, who was the first guy to actually write a paper about the term. He wasn't the first one to use it um, as, a, as a word, but he says it's, it's basically the olfactory equivalent of a landscape. So if you can see um, the elements and the sort of like the countryside or the town around you, the... Uh, smellscape is the elements that you can smell around you um and victoria henshaw took it a stage further and she said it's it's basically for one person at a moment in time oh, so like a smellscape yeah. is an individual um experience um and it's something that is perceived th through the nose of an individual right. and took that and thought well actually I, i'd like to extend it because i think that a smellscape as an entity is something that's perceived by a number of people um, collectively, even though they may not see it from exactly the same angle. So exactly what you were talking about earlier. So for me, a smellscape is a number of people who perceive a collection of aromas around them in a period of time yeah. um, that then define. So it's it's spatial um in terms of the fact that it's location based but it's also temporal in the fact that it's time delimited okay yeah yeah so what benefits are there to understanding a city's smellscape do you think why do you think it's important to understand a smellscape only because it forms a part 
of the impressions that we have of a city it forms it's we experience the world through five senses we just don't note them down and to be able to just slightly carve off and dissect into a modality that we don't normally talk about means that you have a chance to approach somewhere that you think you know afresh and understand it in a new way and yeah. I think that's really what smell does is it, it I work with populations who live in those cities it's not me going in and saying this is what's here because I'm not qualified to do that it's not my territory my home I work to interpret what other people say about the smells of their cities and in return what I give them is a way of understanding their city and appreciating it in a new and different way and that might be just by slowing down it might be by noticing something they hadn't noticed before yeah. but it it's all about that what's their connection with their their city through smell I love that. I love that. I think there's, we might talk about this more on the mapping side, but because I love maps, I'm a big collector of, I, I collect like underground maps of, of you know, of, of tube stops and things like that. Do you, I hope you've got, you can't oh, see her face, hope, but she's going, what? <laughs> <laughs> I think I need to send you one. <laughs> yeah, you need to send me one. I mean, I have, I, yeah, I, so I have different cities. I just collect maps, but that's again, visual. So I love all the, you know, you have a lot of this online, some of your, your pictures of different cities of all the smellscapes that you, you've um, collected and it's fascinating. It's so different. I think it's going to be really helpful for history too. If I think about how it can do good, you know, in yeah. general, it's yes. not just for the love of doing it or for art. I think it actually can serve a purpose too. Would you agree? I think, I mean, the other part of it, one of the reasons why I do it, I mean, it came as a sort of like a later part of why I do it, is to actually record olfactory heritage. And it's, I mean, I always said I wanted to be the flicker of smells. Yeah. So we can record photographs that say how somewhere looked. We can record audio that we can digitise and that can tell us what somewhere um, sounded like. We can collect items and artefacts and we can sort of like do recipes for food and yeah. create tastes and we can actually sort of like bury seeds away but smells are one thing that we we can't do it in exactly the same way oh, we can bleeding. take molecules we can recreate simpler versions and that's really successful and there's interpretation of smells which is are absolutely amazing and I work with them a lot but in terms of a city, it's that contextual information that goes with it. Yeah. So a smell in a city period in time. is never, yeah, is a smell in a city is never just a smell. A smell yeah. in a city has so many other elements that are coming into it. It's the smell of the background of the city. It's the smell of somebody passing by. It's the smell of something else happening. Yeah. There's very rarely solitary single smells in a city, even with one breath. And wouldn't you also say, even what you're hearing influences what you're smelling. So if it's really loud yeah. somewhere, if it's really quiet, yeah. you're going to interpret that smell differently. Absolutely. It's all the cross-modal stuff that suddenly comes into being. So it's it's cross-modal and sort of like greater context. And I think as a result of that, the smell maps just have 
a potential by the choice of the graphic language that I use to create archives and perceptions of the olfactory components of our cities testified by a local audience. It's mm. the people who live there that have actually recorded those. Or what I've done is I've interpreted them visually so that they are recorded. Yeah, yeah. So for the listeners, can you explain what you referred to? I love this. There, I don't know if you, I think you referred to it as this, the top, middle, and base notes of a smellscape. They're kind of three categories of smell. I love them. Talk to me about that. It's very similar. It's I, Because I found when I was working with a lot Humory. of people, it's so similar. <laughs> they, they all know about perfume. And it's like, I, you, can, you can, because everybody, Everybody's walked through a sort of like um, an airport and sort of like tried on a perfume and gone, I love it, and then got on the plane and gone, actually, you know what, that changed. Right, right. And, and so we're, we're kind of quite, I think we're quite well educated in terms of sort of like how perfume's constructed. And so the smellscape in a city, I think, is actually constructed in a similar way. And again, sort of like Victoria Henshaw wrote about this as well. And we were working together for a while. And it's basically you've got base notes in a city you've got that contextual smell information that's always there easier with an example i can do amsterdam easy amsterdam's base note is the smell of the canal and it's a fresh water slight geosmine it's slightly fetid but it's not unclean it doesn't put you off, but it serves as a sort of like almost a savory base note mm -hmm. to every other smell that sits on top of it. So you may have other ones that are in there as well, but for Amsterdam, that's the sort of like the main one. And then you've got episodic notes, which are the middle ones. So these really form the sort of like the core of a city's smellscape. Um, and it, those are things that happen at certain times of day and happen um on a regular basis so it might be shops opening and in Amsterdam waffles um, and chocolate because there's a chocolate works across the, uh, the, the the port and there's I don't know in in the summertime there's a smell of the the flowers and there's absolutely no smell of tulips because it's all being bred out of them so you you've got these smells and the coffee shops and the bookshops different times of day they'll open they'll contribute but they're there on a regular basis but okay. they waft in and out okay. and then you've got the delightful ones which I really adore which are the top notes which are the completely unexpected god knows what category I put this into what is that smell um, it might be somebody walking past and they're suddenly wearing a perfume, but they're there for a couple of seconds and they just influence it. And it's like it's it, it's an energetic buzz note of a smell that just goes, hi, I'm here. Bye. I've gone. Right. And th those can be I mean, in a way, those those could be sort of like just hints and recollections in people's minds. I've had people say things like, I mean, I, I can smell the sun. That was a beautiful one. I mean, it's, the sun is a top note. It sits there. It's it's not regular, but it's like, oh, it's just, just around dinosaur. You know, and there was a lovely one in Amsterdam as well, which was light horse, oh. which, I, which I really loved. And that was 
there was a fairground a little way away from where the small walker was walking. And he said, I can smell horse, but it's light horse. Yeah. And it was, it was just gentle hay and that very distinctive aroma of, of, a, of like a pony going past. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if you know it, you know it. There's very few words that you can use to describe it if you don't. Right. But it, it was there. And that that was what I would call an episodic smell, not an episodic, a, a top note. Okay. Um, the, the, the fleeting, the very, very fleeting smells of the top notes. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get to the smell walking itself. So now that you know what a smellscape is, right? So smell walking is actually going out and collecting the smellscape, right? Or what is the smell? What is smell walking to you? Smell smell walking is exactly that. It's it how do you how do you collect the data um <laughs> about what's out there? Yeah. And very early on I understood that it wasn't me that was going to be able to go everywhere, nor did I want to go everywhere. And nor did I know enough um to be able to understand other cultures and to understand the significance of smells in certain cultures. And so Amsterdam was one of the first pieces, the first places where I, I really used the smell walk as a, a very coherent device to basically walk with members of the general public um, around different designed routes. So I would actually pick the routes oh. um, so that we covered different parts of the city. Okay. Because otherwise, so it's uh, as projects they can be quite large. If we sort of like we pick and choose to How do many a whole city, do you, do you typically have? Um, there's no typical, okay. and it's usually <laughs> the size. Usually, the size of the area covered will depend on the number of people that have got to do it. Got it. So in Singapore, there was a couple of hundred people. Wow. In Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I mean, oh, I, mean, I had no one. context for how many people. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, Amsterdam. I think there was about 40, 50 people okay. involved with that. Oh. So they can walk around together in groups. So I, I might lead a group. Sometimes it might be individuals in different neighbourhoods. And basically, what they're doing is it's it's three different stages. So okay. they start off, and I explain what I'm trying to do, which is collect information about smells. And in order to be able to do the work I do, the smell needs to have a name. It needs to have an intensity associated with it. Okay. And I kind of sometimes like to have a duration. So how long does it appear to last? It's nice to have some associations or greater context. And I quite like just for fun. And I haven't really done a lot with it yet, but ask people whether they like it or not um and also is ex expected or not uh -huh. because unexpected smells are in a category of their own 
and usually okay. that's contradictory to what your eyes are telling you one thing you're standing outside a baker's and you can smell chicken right which one do you believe <laughs> right right <laughs> it's like you you tend to trust your nose because it's like that's no that's telling me real information that's chemical stuff that's coming into me i know there's a chicken roasting somewhere around here yeah obviously they've got a sign wrong on the shop right <laughs> but right. you'll look around you'll look around to find where that smell is coming from whereas you you won't do it the other way around okay um so yeah so sort of like we go out and we walk for about 10 15 minutes and all we do in that time is breathe and then if the smell passes your nostrils so these are the long distance smells the smell passes your nostrils I ask people to just sniff so do a real intake of breath double your chances of getting the smell to your olfactory um, receptors and then give the smell a name and just mark down an intensity and a duration for it and I ask them to do that four times in those 10 minutes and it's very rare that anybody even if they say they haven't got a very good sense of smell can't do it is everybody's always trying to write down about sort of like 20 smells i'm going no 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 save yourself for later <laughs> so all, all, all i want now is you just just four all right just four <laughs> wow so wait, let me ask so maybe before you continue tell me like the kind of people you recruit do you, it doesn't really matter right do they i mean they have to have a sense of smell obviously they can't be you know and i've done it with an mix i've done, done it with, with an mix yeah, because they usually come with somebody else who can smell and they've come along to find out what their city smells like. Ah, well, that's noses great. of others, yeah. which is really great. I mean, that's, that's another sort of like whole side to this is yeah. that it, it, I did, like you, I did some work with Fifth Sense. And okay. with that, we did paired buddy smell walks. So one person acts as the other person's nose. That's wonderful. Oh, that's so it's great. really really nice it really is it's lovely and it's it's a, it's a sort of like a, the capacity to enable somebody to understand something that they may have lost temporarily or may never have had yeah 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 okay so I disrupted sorry continue with so you're that's the first <laughs> date I, I just found that so fascinating to figure out who you know what kind of people yeah you're no it does it actually doesn't matter in the slightest and okay. a lot of a lot of participants will say, oh, I haven't got a very good sense of smell. And they realise that it's actually better than they thought, because even in the first stage, they end up sort of like figuring out a lot of smells that they have detected. And with the naming, I said, I'm not asking you to identify it. I'm asking you to give it a name because okay. there's a big difference. Um, identification makes it seem like there's a right or wrong answer, whereas naming something is a lot freer yeah. and it facilitates a conversation in a in a very different way it becomes an association you have with it basically yeah it can be yeah and I sort of like I have lovely examples so um a smell from Brooklyn um in New York was um smell of shattered dreams wow and and I just thought you know what that's a really nice way of describing a smell yeah it's it there it has a name um and it has a very literal translation to it but I say it's, I'm happy literal or lyrical whatever you want to name that smell name it as such and then I stop and we have a quick conversation so people re read out what they've 
what they've noticed, what they've perceived, what they've written down. And that just makes for it being quite an inclusive practice. So, you know, people say, oh, yeah, I noticed that as well. Or what do you think of that? And you you have this larger conversation. And then we do smell hunting where you use your other senses to pick out really potentially interesting sources of smells. So it that's might be the active, fan. Right. That's, sorry, that's more active. It's a lot more active. So you are seeking sources and then you're sticking your nose very close to them. Okay. So you are you're going for the close up ones because smells quite interesting in that it, it is so distant, but it is also very proximal as well. And then the last section. So we do the same sort of process conversation after another sort of like 10, 15 minutes. And then the last part, I said, find four objects or find an object and four instances of it. Smell each of them and see if there's a difference. Ah. Because there is no such thing as the smell of a trash can or a park right. bench. Yes. So this is about in a way it's about it's, there's a sort of like inherent teacher in me but it's about giving people the agency to be able to say I can differentiate mm. a smell isn't just what I see a smell is actually something on top of what I see and not all of what I see will describe the smell wow so that's the data collection and it it's tiring it's wonderful it's always an adventure yeah. Um, and it enables me to see other places and it enables the participants to see their places through new ways of knowing. How have people responded? Like, what are some of the responses you've gotten after somebody's gone through this experience? <laughs> the funny, the, the lovely ones are, <laughs> you've just changed my life. Wow. Um, yes. I mean, it's, it's like, so it doesn't happen that day. But the day after, they're a lot more aware of their yeah. sense of smell. I love that. It's a mission. It's and an that's absolute my mission, and I think you're doing a great job. <laughs> you're doing such a great job of that. I think it's exactly another way of getting people to think about their sense of smell. And you're right, because they weren't that, that attuned to it before. Problem. Oh, no, no, that's great. So how long is a walk? I used, I, I, I learned the hard way. I used to have people out for an hour and a half, two hours, and it's just too long. So now it's an hour maximum Yeah. because, because you're concentrating. Yeah. It's hard. It is hard. Yeah. It's not something we're, we're used to doing. It's true. I have a question about this whole, I think you answered it slightly, but, um, People have a hard time describing smells, right? And and you say to just write down whatever you think you're smelling, but is it still hard yeah. for them or are they pretty, are, are people pretty good about writing down things that you can actually interpret from? You know, I mean, you have to be able to make use of that information once you get it. I think what's, what's really useful is if they write the name for a smell and then they write an association with it, Okay. I can work backwards and forwards between those two pieces of information to try and figure out what I think that smell is that they're alluding to. Um, and the reason I would do that is that when I've got all this data, I manually transcribe it into Excel. And I do that because 
I want to know the data. So that's really important to me when I'm actually creating a map. If I'm doing the visuals on it, I want to know, I want to be there walking through the noses of those people. So I've usually been on the walks with them, but there could be sort of like 10, 20, 30 people at a time doing this. Okay. And I actually do want to know what's there so I can then look for patterns and start to detect patterns as they're emerging in terms of themes and especially themes that come out from certain neighbourhoods. And so this whole process is incredibly manual in terms of how it's how it's done. Yeah, I mean, tell um, me how it's done. Let's, let's get into that. Let's get into the mapping. Okay, of so, I, so like I basically I, I take the data so that everybody's recorded this data onto smell notes, which I provide. So it's basically a table with columns and rows for them to fill in. And I take that and I retype it into Excel. And as I'm going through, if I'm noticing something that seems to be recurring, then what I'll do is I'll just note it as a theme. Okay. And then I'll start coding. So I'll start sort of like saying, okay, well, that's a theme. So I'll give that a code and I'll put it in. And as I'm working through, I end up with a number of themes and code everything according to those themes. And then from that, I can either say, well, look, I'm looking at the whole city yeah. or I can say, I'm going to look at a neighborhood that has a particular theme to it and then see if that theme emerges in the other neighborhoods. Ah. So for, each place and depending on who the client is for it the the process is slightly different if somebody if they want something that is pure collective then i'll take everybody's into account if it's um one that i did in new york in manhattan individuals walk the streets i plotted every smell that they noticed Wow. And then we made a huge version of it and did more smell walks with the general public. And they then came and drew on top of it to say, actually, you know what? That smell isn't there anymore. Mm -hmm. This one's here instead. Okay. So you're creating something that's sort of like a deliberate graffiti palimpsest. And you just say, this is always contestable. The whole point of this is to go out and smell and to not believe what these visuals tell you. Wow. Um, so, I mean, it's each one has a slightly different methodology depending on who I'm working with. But generally, I'll take the data, then figure out which are the most commonly occurring ones. And then from that, I've developed a series of smell symbols that I then use to create the maps. Okay. Now, where do you keep all these maps? Or are there places where people can, can view the maps you've created? They are all on my website, which is sense3maps.com. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes. Kind of, that's kind of easy enough to, uh, <laughs> to, to find. Um, and it's got, it's got, I mean, it's got some interesting ones in, um, namely one about a, um, it was based on the life of Pi, the Anne Martell book. Oh, yeah. And there's one smell that's mentioned, it, there's one smell reference in the entire book. And so I did a map to actually show how place across the globe was related to a single smell and how it changed its emphasis and its meaning and its it, its relationship to the author as it went through time. So there's odd experiments in there as well. And it's, it's probably easier to, to look at the smell maps than it is for me to describe them because yeah. it's, 
some of them are set imagining the wind flow others are set imagining the um the mists or the um humidity that the smells are in so I think the only other thing that I'd like to say about them is they're all connected through to the weather conditions in the place where they are actually mapped. Which is really important. So, no, yes. Which is really important. And the, the shape of the smells comes from me saying, okay, what was the wind direction on the day we did that smell walk? And how strong was the wind? And then I manipulate the symbols to give the illusion of the, the, the winds actually passing over. So what do you think is going to be next for you? I mean, is there is there going to be an evolution of this? Are you just going to continue to do this same stuff or what, what's next? What's next? There's a couple of things that I'm working on. One is the idea of how do you tell a smell narrative from the past in the way that it might be meaningful? So I've come across these amazing... Um, imagined pilgrimage maps from a Benedictine monk in the 12th century. Wow. And what happens was he sat in his cloister cell and people came back to him with tales about where they'd been and as they'd been to the sort of like the, the Holy Land, um, monks couldn't travel or they didn't have the finance to travel and they were in sort of like they were there for god and so they were doing their thing so he created these illustrated maps that follow this sort of like this these single paths that go up a page and he'd illustrate each of these different cities in order that you could get from st albans to london to dover across france down through italy and all the way to jerusalem wow so i thought I kind of like this. <laughs> and so I've taken Jean-Noël Allais' first ever sort of like smell walk. So that's the first recorded smell walk. And I did my own version of it as well. And I'm now taking his and I'm illustrating it in the style of this Benedictine monk. So I'm telling an imagined pilgrimage of smell up and down the banks of the River Seine but it's involved huge amounts of visual research in saying, okay, what did that bridge look like yeah. in 1789? Because what it looks like now is not what it looked like then. Yeah. And because there weren't photographs, then I'm looking for artworks that depict those big bridges and what does it look like from the other side? And some of the bridges have been torn down. The revolution and post-revolution in France had a huge impact on sort of like changing the, the sort of like the structure of the city and of course the the keys weren't built there was mud there Halle was exploring it because it was a hygiene issue um and so it's trying to enable people to imagine themselves walking along there using this same technique that's exciting wow it's nice that. because it, it's it's no longer an overview it's no longer a planned over a planned view yeah. what it is now is actually a following the footsteps of and you could stop at each smell and you could do that in a day because that's how they think these pilgrimage maps worked is that a monk would sit there and they'd say okay this is what a whole day takes so uh -huh. so it, the, the the distances are marked in days on these maps okay so it's un journée, un journée. Okay. and so I think I think what happened with those is that the monks would sit there and say, okay, 
this is how far I'm walking today and this is how far I go and this is what I'm going to be thinking of on my route to the Holy Land. And they'd only go a certain distance and then they'd save the next bit for the next day. Okay. Yeah. And we tend to zoom through information now going, how can I get to the end as quickly as possible? Yeah. So what I'd like this to do is to actually enable people to be able to stop yeah. and say, I'm just going to pause here because you know what? I don't know what that smell is. I wonder if I can conjure it. Can I get anything from the description? Can I get anything from the visual? What can I get stylistically? What else might I want to look up around it? Okay, I'm going to stay with this smell for a day and then I'm going to go to the next one. So it might have to come with some instructions. Yeah, right. Because it's not a natural thing for us in this day and age, that's for sure. Oh, that's so exciting. I can't wait for you to to share that. I hope you'll share that, of course. Yeah. That, that one, I was due to have it done last Christmas and I took on a new um, position. Um, so I changed, moved universities. I lecture in a university in the UK and it was a really, really hard year. Yeah. And so I never managed to get it finished, but I'm due to be speaking um, about it at the American Historical Association conference in Philadelphia in January. So oh. I'll have to have it finished by then. Well, we've come to the end and there's always three questions I like to ask my guests. The first question is, what's your favorite smell right now, Kate? I have two. I can't ever do one. I have two. <laughs> one, is, one is the the smell of tomatoes because I'm just harvesting the last of them and it's been an amazing bumper crop in the UK this year for tomatoes. Yeah. I have three. Um, so one is tomatoes, but it's it's the stems of them and that's yeah. where the sort of like the real smell of the tomato is. Um, the second one is I have a row of vines in my garden and I'm making wine and it's yeah I have my own mini vineyard yeah it's, it, it, it was it was a great project to sort of like say can I nurture these things from little baby plants into full-grown vines can I can I make wine out of it so I'm on my fourth vintage now and I picked them last weekend so I've got the wine is just starting its first on skin fermentation so every time I walk in my house now, I can smell that. Oh, and then, and then the other one is I live by the ocean, and it's just, it's the smell of getting home and knowing that I am home because it's ocean combined with lavender combined with fig as I walk down a path to get to the ocean. Right, it's a shabby life. Amazing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> It's a very lovely, very special place to live. Yeah. Um, and I, I recognize how sort of privileged I am to be here and I just make the most of it. And it's that's smell is one way that you can make the most of it by appreciating it. I mean, think about it. There's so much craziness going on in the world, right? Everywhere we look, there's craziness, but you're taking the time to say, look, I'm going to enjoy my surroundings and the smells in my surroundings and it's making me happy. And you are yes. allowed to have joy, even despite all the bad stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, th I mean, I think it really that came home to us during the sort of like COVID and not being able to go out is that it actually it stopped me trying to move all the time and be somewhere else. Okay. And it said, you know what, you have astonishing place where 
you've got so much around you if you could never go anywhere again there is enough here to keep you interested every single day for the rest of your life yeah so enjoy travel and appreciate it but also enjoy and appreciate where you're based yeah yeah amen (laughs) 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 Uh, so tell me do you have a favorite scent memory you can share it's probably the pine one um it's it's a it's the pine of that we talked about right at the start about sort of like just going over that last hillside suddenly being able to see the mediterranean and smelling pine needles pine warmth you know it's it's everything to do with those those trees it's the resin everything about them just sort of like brings out this this gentle nothing to do with the disinfectants or the washing liquids it's a completely different pine smell to the ones that are created artificially yeah I love that good and then the last question um you had to describe yourself in five smells what would those five smells be sea air wine big the cinnamon smelling non-malting dog <laughs> and i don't know i've i'm stuck at i'm stuck at those ones there is there's something else in the sort of like in the the, the very fresh the watery smells i think there's yeah. some something sitting there that i think if I'd have been a different animal, I probably would have been some sort of fish. I spend oh. so much time in the water okay. um, that I wish I could smell in water. That's that's my wish. Oh, that's good. Well, we'll give you the ocean smell. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me, Kate. It was such it's so much fun to talk to you and I, I could talk to you for hours. So I really appreciate you being here today. No, thank you very much indeed. It's been a, it's, it's always a pleasure and it's been really lovely talking to you too. Thank you for joining me on An Aromatic Life. If you're interested in learning more about your sense of smell from all different perspectives, subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends too. And it would be really helpful if you could rate the podcast so it helps others find it too. I also invite you to check out my website, falkaromatherapy.com, where you'll find information about workshops, courses, and other programs I offer. And make sure you grab my free audio training, How to Smell to Be Well, which you can download from my website. Until next time, remember to smell everything and have a wonderful day.